This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. Murray quarterback run to the left. He's at the 20 to the 15 to the 10. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10 to the 5 and into the end zone for the touchdown. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. So growing up, mid-June always signaled the end of school. And this week, Kyle, I'm getting those same type of vibes. Minicamp marks the last work before training camp. Is that a fair analogy as the Cardinals are literally on the field right behind you here as we speak on this Tuesday? Yeah, um, you know, as a player, um, your last mini camp, it, it does feel the same. You've put in a lot of work up to this point, um, especially for the younger guys, uh, the new guys that came in. You know, they put a lot of work getting ready for the draft and then getting ready and, and coming in for rookie mini camps and OTAs. And um, it's just your, your head's kind of spinning. Um, you never really feel like you're settled or comfortable. Um, and and to to kind of wrap up your summer work with with your last mini camp, um, th- there's a bit of excitement and, and more so you know especially the veterans there's an excitement of um, getting a feel for who's going to be contributors, which guys you can count on, which guys have um, the talent level that can step up and help your team win games this year. Training camp begins at the end of July, so you've got about a five, six-week break here. Not that these players won't be putting in work on their own, but as far as being in the facility, being around their teammates, they won't see each other until late July for the start of training camp. So you got two days here, Tuesday and Wednesday, your last bit of work after a long offseason, and let's not bury the lead, Kyle. Yes, Kyler Murray is here. He has reported to mandatory minicamp. Maybe a surprise for some. I'm not shocked. It's mandatory, first of all. And plus, Kyler has been around this offseason. He just has kind of picked and chosen his spots, if you will. Yeah, I think everybody, not everybody, most people expected him to be here. But it is definitely a sigh of relief um, for the team, for the fans, uh, for the coaching staff. Um, it's, you know, it's no question that this team goes as Kyler Murray goes um, and hopefully it's like that for years to come um, and you know I think when you know having been in similar type situations where guys are kind of in and out when your playmakers when you're the guys you're relying on are there um, it brings a little bit of extra pep to practice guys are excited um, you feel like you're whole again um, and you're just you're just ready to work because um, no matter how other you know OTAs went when he wasn't here it's just not the same as when you have um, one of the premier players one of the premier athletes one of the best quarterbacks in the league in the building um, because again um, a, a lot's going to fall on his shoulders this year, and it, it just feels good when he's in the building. The talent, undeniable, and that's not just us speaking it here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Tight end Zach Ertz, a guest on the Dave Patch podcast, talked about the quarterback skill set of one Kyler Murray. Kyler is the most talented player I've ever been around. Player? Player, period. 
There is no doubt. There's nothing he cannot do on a football field. He can be like Lamar Jackson and take off and run for 100-plus yards in a game. Or, in my opinion, he can sit in the pocket and not even worry about his legs and just dink and dunk all the way down the field. He's super, super accurate. And there's just nothing he can't do. I don't know. that I can't really explain it. And we've seen that, Kyle. We have seen Kyler Murray play at an MVP-type level. The first nine games, first 12 games of last season. Yeah, the team was 7-0, 10-2, but they were that because of Kyler Murray. Now, he did miss three games in that stretch, but still, this team was rolling when Kyler Murray was leading and doing everything right. Right, absolutely. And and just going back to what Zach Ertz said, um, it, it's not difficult to understand where he's coming from because um, you know, I played against mobile quarterbacks, and you, you always try to find that one weakness of any quarterback that you're playing, particularly when you're a defensive lineman. Um, and when you play those mobile quarterbacks, when you play uh, Michael Vick, when you play Donovan McNabb, um, you come in with a game plan, hey, you know, we need to keep him in the pocket because he throws better outside the pocket. Um, he's going to kill us with his legs. He's going to scramble for first downs. Um, but, but like Zach Ertz said, um, Kyler's incredibly accurate from the pocket and Kyler has made it clear in the past that he views his legs and his running as a luxury and it's not necessarily part of the game plan or necessarily something um, a a crutch that he uses when um, you know he's not able to throw the ball because he can um, you know and and in my opinion there's a handful of guys there's a lot of really good quarterbacks in this league but there's a handful of players that really throw a, an almost perfect deep ball, and Kyler Murray falls into that category. I mean, that's one of his strengths is his arm strength and his accuracy down the field. You look at the numbers and that running being a luxury, something that he would prefer not to do. He wants to be that pocket passer. First eight games last season, 49 rushing attempts for 147 yards. The last five games... 29 rushing attempts for 217 yards. He needed to run because the offense was bogged down. No DeAndre Hopkins on the football field. There were injuries on the offensive line. Kyler Murray had to do more than, not that he wanted, but he had to do more in order to get this offense somewhat moving up and down the field, and it didn't quite work out. All things the same, Kyler Murray stands in that pocket and throws to Hop. Hollywood Brown, Zach Ertz, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, and allows those players to make plays versus him doing it with his legs. Yeah, and that's the the great thing about him is, um, you know, week to week in this league, um, depending on uh, the ability of the defense you're playing, depending on their strengths, um, you have to cater your game plan. You can't just roll out there every game and say, yeah, this is going to work, and you know we, we just kind of cut and paste our game plan from last week. There will be weeks where you're going to need Kyler to use his legs to pick up first downs or to keep the defense honest or to um, at least have that threat, right? I mean, even when, you know, Kyler, there, there will be games, and there was games last year where, um, you know, Kyler didn't run. He didn't pull it down. He didn't scramble for first downs. He didn't have any schemed runs called for him. But the defense spends all week preparing for that threat because, um, you know, as, as a Cardinals fan, you know what Russell Wilson did to our defenses for years where you get him in third and long and he gets to the sticks and picks up first downs and it just it's backbreaking for a defense. And Kyler has that threat on any given play. You'd certainly want to see a little bit more consistency, especially late in the season. That just doesn't just fall on Kyler. It falls on the entire team, offense and defense. He is, in my opinion, going to get paid at some point this offseason. When that happens, who knows? 
But there are a lot of people believe that want to see a little bit more out of Kyler Murray. That consistency, the leadership, that has been a buzzword over the last several off seasons when you talk about Kyler Murray. Zach Ertz, again, on the Dave Patch podcast, brought up Kyler's leadership. People forget how young Kyler is. He's 24, 25 years old. People want this guy that's Tom Brady leading everyone onto the field. But Kyler's better now than he was when I got here in October. And Kyler's going to find whatever works best for him in this football team. And it's not going to be something that's the prototypical way. Just because he's not out there leading in the typical fashion doesn't mean he's not a leader of this football team. And I think that next step for him is kind of taking more of that vocal role everyone wants to point his lack of leadership or whatever it is i just don't think that's true we can all have our opinions kyle but it means something when you hear from kyler's teammates the guys that are in that locker room that are around him on and off the field we only see a fraction of what kyler murray does right and you know there's the one thing that's unquestioned um you know and you've heard this from several of his teammates um is when you ask about his leadership, they say he, how competitive he is. He wants to win. He wants to succeed. He wants to always play well and and represent himself well on Sundays. And and you know, I again, I think the next step for him um, as as a leader and particularly as a quarterback of this team um, is is how he responds when he throws an interception, when the offense has a turnover, when the team gets down two touchdowns. Because uh, particularly, you know, the offense as a whole, the team as a whole, but particularly the younger players look to the leaders. And now he is a leader. He is a veteran. They look to see how they respond. And that's what a a true leader and that's what uh, particularly from the quarterback position to rally your troops um, when you're down to carry yourself with confidence regardless of the situation or the adversity. um, That's something that he can improve on. And, you know, that's probably you know the the, a double-edged sword with how competitive he is he's frustrated when things don't go like he would like them to go but sometimes you just got to put that behind you and move forward and 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 move on to the next play and that's difficult when you are as competitive as he is and and a perfectionist like he is and to Ertz's point everyone does lead their own way you're not going to have Kurt Warner, Carson Palmer in that locker room all the time. You'd like to certainly see that, especially out of the best position to be your quarterback, be that type of leader, but maybe the Kyler is not. Maybe he's still learning that, becoming that type of leader, so something to pay attention to. But the fact is that he is here. Hollywood Brown is here. Marcus Golden is here. And Golden has not been a part of any of the OTAs up until this mandatory minicamp. We do not see Rodney Hudson during the open portion of minicamp. So that might be something that gets addressed post-practice from head coach Cliff Kingsbury. We have not seen Hudson at all this offseason as far as the strength and conditioning program or OTAs. But it is two more days of work. Here's Dennis Gardeck on what this team can get accomplished. It's the next step in the progression. I think we're ready for it as a defense. It'll be exciting to see as things ratchet up uh, what's been retained and everything, you know. Um, but no, I'm looking forward to it. And a lot of these young players, and I guess I could throw in Gardek in there, is just the reps. Whether you're going full speed, half speed, it's, again, guys are wearing shorts, 
helmets, no pads or anything like that. There's no contact, but just going through it and what you did in the classroom, try to replicate that now on the field. Yeah, and particularly with young players or inexperienced players, uh, the whole point of this mini camp, I mean, everything is is thrown at you so fast and there's so much information and you're going through so many things on the field. And that's intentional. You try to overload them. You try to throw a lot of things at them, throw different looks, throw different, um, you know, experiment with different blitz packages to see how they're going to respond. It's not necessarily to, um, you know, the coaches look at their playbook and start scratching things off for what's going to work and what's not going to work in the regular season. It's to see how do these guys respond, how much load can they take on, and, and if they can pick it up, and you get a lot of these reps and just reps after reps after reps in these mini camps, uh, things will slow down for them. You know, not the, you know, there's not, it's hard to say there's a direct correlation between what happens today and what happens tomorrow and how things are going to go in September and October and November. Um, but you do want to see how, uh, kids, uh, not kids, players retain this type of information and how can they apply it to the football field and you want to get to a point where they have seen everything and they can just go out there and react instead of think on the football field. Of course, the next step, training camp and for those young players, specifically the 2022 Cardinals draft class, oh yeah, things are going to be a lot different when training camp arrives and the pads are on and those veterans really kick it into gear to get ready for the start of the regular season. One of those young players Zaven Collins, year two for the young inside linebacker. We'll discuss that as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Episode 31 of the Day Pash podcast featuring Cardinals tight end Zach Ertz. Available now. We just heard a couple of bites from Ertz to catch up on past episodes. Make sure you follow the Day Pash podcast via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at PashPod. Gregory Alukov and Abash here every Tuesday, 11 a.m., year-round, talking Arizona Cardinals football here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Hands it off. No running room off the right side. In fact, a loss of two on the play. Zaven Collins, the first guy there. And that is a big man coming down from the weak side, shooting the gap. Zaven Collins again. Throws over the middle, tipped into the air and incomplete. He was going for his tight end. Pass was off the mark. Zaven Collins had coverage that time, and it's fourth down. Zaven Collins bats that ball into the air with all of that great length. Use check in motion. It is a quarterback drop the middle. Lance's hit drives the legs forward. Going to be close. The 49ers are short. Zaven Collins with the tackle. Zaven Collins, the rookie at 260 playing downhill, came in and laid some lumber, baby. I do not think it is an understatement when you look at the Arizona Cardinals and the defense for 2022. The biggest question mark, individual, might just be Zayvon Collins, the former first-round draft pick inside linebacker, anointed the starter draft night. But we did not see Zayvon Collins start many games, especially late in the season. Question is, is Zayvon Collins ready to take that next step? 
And that's the topic here as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. The quarterback of the defense the past couple of seasons, Kyle, it has been Jordan Hicks. He is no longer here. Here he is now in Minnesota. Nick Vigil, who was with the Vikings, now with the Cardinals to play alongside Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. But Collins specifically, being that leader, being that defensive play caller here in year two, maybe it was too much for him in year one, too many mistakes made, just quite wasn't ready. He did admit that he had a hurt shoulder, banged it up a couple of different times against Cleveland and the Packers. But now here in year two, you're drafted in the first round. There's an expectation. And they like to say the training wheels have to come off. Yeah, the expectations are there. Uh, for a lot of reasons, um, you know, it, one like you mentioned, because he was the first round draft pick, um, he was named a starter early, um, but but now he doesn't have that crutch. Does the, we don't have Jordan Hicks anymore? It is his job. It's been given to him now. He it, and you know, there's there's probably a number of reasons, um, like you said, and a lot of it might be mental. You know, he checks every single box, and you can see why the Cardinals drafted him where they drafted him. He has all the physical tools. He can hit like a ton of bricks. He can run sideline to sideline. Um, and he's he's extremely smart, right? Um, you know, I think one of the things you, you've got to do, particularly with a young player, uh, specifically a linebacker, because they have so much on their plate, um, is, is not overload them. I mean, he's capable. He's smart enough. Um, but the last thing you want for your linebacker, particularly in this defense, is to think about every scenario because they're you know depending on on any given play he might have four five six keys that change what he is supposed to do um and that's that's why this is so valuable this time a full off season the time with his teammates getting to know where everybody is how everybody fits um what what a play is going to look like um you know these reps are so valuable to him and and really any young player um and, and again, it's like I talked about earlier, um, you know, he, he's, he's such a smart kid, but you, when you get on the football field, um, sometimes you just got to turn that brain off and just go. You got you to trust what you see and react, and, and that's his next step. And that only comes from reps. And, and these reps he's getting that, that he got throughout OTAs, that he's getting in this mini camp, and the reps he'll get in training camp are going to be so valuable uh, to having him ready to contribute and be a factor and and be the player that this team envisioned him to be when they drafted him in the first round. I like what you said there, reacts as opposed to think, because once you start thinking, now all of a sudden you're a step, two steps behind, and that ball carrier you're trying to tackle is behind you, and all of a sudden now we started talking about mental errors, mental mistakes. Collins, late last week, addressed in the media, discussed those mental mistakes that he had been making and hoping to erase or correct a lot of those this season obviously you know last year didn't go as you know everyone would want but that's that's part of life um just learning from those mistakes applying them to now and trying to get better which i have i think that i've done a really good job in some of the areas that i've messed up as far as you know mental errors or you know stuff like that you have the opportunity the time right now to correct those mistakes and if you're making mistakes now going back and looking at it if it's happened on the field you have the time to go back either one-on-one with your position coach or defensive coordinator and really hammer down right this is what you weren't 
doing. This is where we need you to be. And Collins talked about that earlier in the offseason with Darren Urban on azcardinals.com about utilizing this time more for not just the on-field work, but looking back at last season and making sure that there's not a repeat of last season. No, you're exactly right. There's no more valuable tool than seeing yourself, seeing yourself either um, playing well, having success, or making mistakes because a, a coach can talk till he's blue in the face and tell you what you need to do, tell you what you did wrong, but until you see yourself maybe taking a, a, a bad step, making a bad read, um, it, it's it's really hard to visualize what you can do to be better. And so you need to see that. And now he has that film. He has that experience. Um, it's, it's only going to um, help him moving forward. And, you know, another thing, particularly with a young player, um, first-round pick, so many expectations were placed on him um, really from the moment he was drafted that each mistake gets magnified and it, it becomes you know it's easy for a veteran to say hey forget about it and move on um, but for a young player that had all these expectations you tend to beat yourself up you tend to dwell on it a little bit um, and you feel like uh, I'm not living up to who I was expected to be um, but now you know his rookie years behind him really you know there's a whole new draft class there's a whole new set of players with expectations on them um, he, he has he can tr- treat it like he's a veteran and you see how veterans respond to mistakes. I mean, in this game, you're going to make you know so many mistakes before you even take that first snap in that first game. I mean, that's that's what this game is, and that's that's the beauty of of football. It's the beauty of sports is making those mistakes, learning from those mistakes, and moving on. And the players that can't, the players that dwell on those mistakes and feel like they're never going to live up to their expectations, those are the ones that don't don't ever reach their full potential. There is so much to like about Zayvon Collins. Six foot four, 260 pounds. You pair him with two years ago, your first round draft pick and Isaiah Simmons, 6'4", 238. Two very skilled players in the middle of that defense. The expectation, again, when you're drafted in the first round, there is an expectation. Here's defensive coordinator Vance Joseph. It's their time. You know, Isaiah's going into his third year. Zayvon's going into his second year. They're first-round picks. They have to help us, you know, and um, it's heading that way. You know, I've been proud of Zayvon, how much time he's put in. Isaiah's always been a good worker. You know, it's it's the next step for him. Obviously, watching him last year, he made plays, you know, but now he has to make consistent plays and not give up plays. You know, that's that's his next challenge. And for Zayvon to stand healthy and, and keep learning, but both guys are physically gifted. You know, so we have to get those guys ready to play because we need them. We did see that step taken by Isaiah Simmons in year two. Now that same step, steps, if you will, needs to be taken by Zayvon Collins. But I'll give him credit. He was very open, honest, and candor, uh, candid about what happened last year. Here's Zayvon Collins talking about his first year in the National Football League. It's not going to be a Cinderella story always, you know. It's it's a uh, it's it's life. That's what that's what it is, you know. If everything was easy, then you know it'd be too good to be true. You got to go through something, and you know, hopefully that's if that's the hardest thing I have to go through in my NFL career. I think you know we're going to be all right. Could very well be something we look back on at Zayvon Collins's career and point to that rookie season specifically late in the year where he was getting a lot of snaps as outside linebacker versus inside linebacker and say, yeah, that's when things began to change for Zayvon Collins. But we need to see it. We're just talking about it now. We need to see it September, October, November, December into the season. Yeah, absolutely. We need to see it. But I I love his approach to it. Um, You know, again, the name of the game for NFL players is how you respond to adversity. Things are not going to go well 
all the time. And sometimes, uh, you know, you will stack bad days, you will stack bad games. It's how you respond to it. And he sounds like um, he's learned, he's ready to move on and ready to take that step. So um, he has the right mental approach, um, you know, and and what the coaches do, particularly with young players, um, you, you know, they try to put them in a position to be successful. You might not be able to do all of the things you want to do, um, but you kind of ease them into the lineup, give them some things that they can do well early. But now with where these guys are and with where they are on the depth chart and um, with what this defense needs, this coaching staff is going to take the training wheels off. They expect um, both of these young linebackers to um, contribute and be playmakers. And, and the word, um, you know, I've heard it from Vance Joseph regarding these two players uh, multiple times is consistency because you do see the flashes and you see the splash plays and you see the impact plays. Um, but, you you know, sometimes it's the plays that you don't notice them, but they're in the right spot so that somebody else can make a play. That's what needs to be consistent. You can't have five good plays and one bad play um, or it kills your defense. And, and, you know, I think that's what they're looking for with these two young guys. And remember what Jordan Hicks had to say the day after the season ended when he was asked about Simmons and Collins, are they ready for increased roles? Quote, they wouldn't be here if they weren't. And then he equated it to his own bringing up within the National Football League. Quote, I was thrown into that position at one point and had to figure out a way. That's just what the job is. And that is the job right now for Zayvon Collins to take over what Jordan Hicks did for so many years with the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals season tickets are available now. Visit azcardinals.com slash season for more information. We have hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat as we continue. Let's flip it up, change to the other side of the ball, and look at the running back room. A lot of depth behind center and next to Kyler Murray. That's straight ahead here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Chiefs up on the football, this time with a two-back set on first and goal. Tight right is Noah Gray. Going to give it off, Darrell Williams cuts it back to the left. That's a starting right into the end zone. Touchdown! Kansas City, Darrell Williams, smart and tough, cutting back to his left. Holmes parking up the calls, right foot in front of the left at the near hatch. Takes the snap, throws in the flat, Darrell Williams, 15, 10, 5, leaps into the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Raiders still aren't covering Darrell Williams. It's a 23-yard touchdown on a flat route and yards after the catch by D. Will. You know, a lot has been made this offseason about Tyreek Hill no longer being a part of that Chiefs offense. What about Daryl Williams? Perhaps the Chiefs' loss is the Cardinals' gain. As we continue here on the Cardinals' Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek, get your seats in a seat. Chiefs Radio Network, Mitch Holtis on the call as Daryl Williams signing with the Arizona Cardinals. It is a one-year contract, but Kyle, he brings some veteran experience to go alongside a James Conner. Is it that one-two punch we saw with Conner and Chase Edmonds? Who knows? But the one thing Cliff Kingsbury did bring up when asked about Williams is that big game experience, playoffs, Super Bowl. Now all of a sudden he brings that into the locker room, not just in the running backs room, but the entire locker room. Right. And what I loved about that that cut as it was coming back was they described him as smart and tough. And really you could take that description for 
every player in that running back's room, right? Um, you know, you flash back to um, a couple of years ago, we had Kenyon Drake. Before that, we had David Johnson, and they were both tremendous guys who were a home run threat. But the frustration watching them was, um, you know, when the hole wasn't there, they were either looking to bounce or it, it, at times, it, you know, I think what we love from watching James Conner play last year is when there isn't a hole, he's going to stick his face in there and, and get two more yards. You know, if if the offensive line blocks for three, he was going to pick up five because it, there's not always going to be a hole. Um, and and you want that running back to fight for those extra yards to keep the chains moving. And to me, um, it, you know, obviously I, I don't know every running back's room in the league, but this has got to be one of the toughest. And, you know, you can flip a coin and, and pick a running back to put in the game on third and one, and they're going to try to stick their face in there and pick up the first down. And there's so much value to that. And, and really, um, you know, Kyler's first year, Cliff's first year, that was one of the problems was converting the third and shorts, converting um, in the red zone, and all of that went away last year with the addition of James Conner. And now you have Darrell Williams, who is that same type of player, but he's not pigeonholed into – just being a power back, he's also a very good receiver out of the backfield, like James Conner, and and is is that threat in the passing game as well. It doesn't show a tell if you're Cliff Kingsbury. Who do you put in at running back, James Conner or Darrell Williams? Because to your point, we saw Conner last season show the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. And early on, it was like, okay, if Chase Edmonds is in the game, they might pass James Conner's in the game. Okay, they're maybe run between the tackles. You don't have that with Connor and Williams. Now they're going to be on the field at the same time. Who knows? Connor's a little bit bigger. But Williams, to your point, he is not afraid of the contact. Now on third and short, maybe you do have both in there or one or the other, but it's not going to signal to the defense what the Cardinals are going to do. Right. Yes. Yeah, some offenses become predictable based on the running back in the game. And, you know, having played defensive line, we would study specifically, okay, this running back comes in the game. You know, it's going to be a pass. It's going to be a screen. He's their gadget running back um, and then they they trot their their big running back in you know it's going to be a run in between the tackles well these running backs you don't have a thunder and a lightning the every single running back on this roster has the potential to be thunder or lightning they can get the tough yardage they can run it hard um, in between the tackles or they they can bounce it they they can catch the ball on a swing pass and, and get some yards for your offense Williams 5'11", 224 Connor 6'1", 233 James Connor on what it means to have Daryl Williams in that running back room Big back man, physical. I know he's gonna run hard. You know, I know he's not afraid to lower his shoulder and whatnot. So, yeah, I'm excited about the addition. I know a lot of people had high praise for him. You know what he put on tape on his previous team. You know, it was all good things. So excited to have him, man. Seven running backs currently on the roster. Of course, Eno Benjamin, Jonathan Ward. Do one or both get an opportunity to run the ball a little bit more? Specifically, Eno Benjamin. We did see flashes out of him. Not so much out of Jonathan Ward. And then the wild card in all of this, Kyle, is the sixth-round draft pick, Keontae Ingram, out of USC. Six feet, 221. Someone who also, like Connor and Williams, can run between the tackles. But also, as we saw last season at USC, 
the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. It's going to be interesting because there is depth, but you can't keep everybody. No, it is. And, you know, particularly the younger players, the guys that aren't established, the guys that don't have the resume, that don't have the experience, that don't have the production on tape. Um, you know, early on, they're going to have to earn a spot on special teams. But, you know, you've you've seen that ability on special teams from Eno Benjamin. You've seen it from Jonathan Ward, both very good special teams players, both contribute. Um, so, um, you know, that may be where Keontae Ingram gets his shot early. Um, but what an opportunity for him to learn from two guys who are veterans that have done it in the past and play his same style. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a tremendous opportunity. So um, it really speeds up his learning curve, um, you know, having guys like that. He's not um, standing behind a guy um, in the backfield that only catches the ball or is a gadget guy. He's playing behind guys that are built like him, that run like him, that have his same type of mentality. And so it's, it's a tremendous opportunity for him to grow quickly in this league. Ingram averaged almost six yards a carry last season, but also caught 22 passes for 156 yards. Recently, he was a guest on the Big Red Rage. Paul Calvisi asking the young running back what kind of running style he prefers. If you're in the open field and you're one-on-one with a DB, would you rather run around him, give him the head fake, the head and shoulders, or lower the boom? What's your mentality? I would say depends on the situation because I love laying the boom. I love taking a person's wheel, you know, over and over and over, over, over again, you know. So I would just say depending on the situation. But if it's five seconds left and we down by three, of course, you don't know what I'm going to go with. So. <laughs> understanding the situation and yeah things are a little bit different here on the pro level but ingram also understands to your point kyle that he's not going to maybe see a lot of carries early on this season barring an injury knock on wood but how do you make a name for yourself special teams be active on sunday to where if you're needed to carry the football or catch the football i.e you know benjamin and jonathan ward well you're up you're dressed but you have to make your mark on special teams. Catch the eye of Jeff Rogers, and then you can maybe work your way out onto the offense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's really how you judge how much dog a player has. You put them on special teams and see what they're made of, see what type of effort they give, see how they approach it in practice, see what kind of impact they can make in games. Um, you know, but that's often, particularly for running backs, wide receivers who are, you know, buried in the depth chart, it's difficult. You know, it's a, a guy like Keontae Ingram. Keontae Ingram has been the man on his team. He's been a running back his entire career. Um, you know, I don't know the last time he's, he's had to tackle in the open field. So, you know, those are some things that um, are going to take some work early. Um, but if you show that ability and you show your value on special teams, that's how you stick with the roster. And eventually when you get your opportunity to carry the ball, um, you, you know, then, then maybe you can stay as a part of the rotation or even earn a starting spot in this league. But, um, you know, you, you hope for guys like this, guys who are hungry, guys who want to make a name for themselves, guys who come in and want to contribute in any way they can. Um, those are the guys that make you that add so much value to your team, and and really um, are the difference between wins and losses. I mean, obviously, it's you know this league is built on star power and impact players, but it's the other guys that are making the impact on special teams that that help you win games. Mentioned earlier that there are seven running backs on the roster. Kingsbury earlier this offseason asked about how many he would expect to keep. He brought up the number four. So. Do the math. Again, not everyone is going to be able to make that 
initial 53-man roster. Can Ingram show enough, not just on special teams, but also being able to run and catch the ball here on this next level? Next up here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Kyle Vandenbosch, does he have another snap or two in him? Can he get to that opposing quarterback? Another question defensively. Can the Cardinals make up for the loss of Chandler Jones? There are certainly a number of players that they hope can do it collectively. But that one individual, that's going to be hard. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Step drop, steps up, gets hit, and sacked back at about the 13-yard line by Marcus Golden. When you need a play, 44 is there. Start barking. <laughs> Give the Robinson running right. Met by Kennard, who got off a block and stuffed the play. Hands it off. Nowhere to run between the tackles. Devon Kennard. Back to throw Flacco. Sacked by Gardeck. Oh, my goodness. What a move by Dennis Gardeck. The barbarian. Flacco in the pocket. Going to get hit and sacked. Dennis Gardak got him again. Dennis Gardak got up and did a little barbarian dance around the fire. Marcus Golden, Devon Kennard, Dennis Gardak. It might take all three and then some to make up for the loss of Chandler Jones or help mitigate the loss of the franchise's all-time sacks leader here as we continue on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. As we mentioned off the top of the show, Marcus Golden in attendance during mandatory minicamp. He had not been seen during OTAs. We also brought up the name Rodney Hudson not seen during the open portion of mandatory minicamp. And we have an update before we get more into the outside linebacker discussion. But our colleague Darren Urban, hazycardinals.com, head coach Cliff Kingsbury, said Hudson not excused from minicamp. They are working through some things. Kingsbury could not say anything more than that right now. But an unexcused absence for your starting center, Rodney Hudson. Remember, earlier this offseason, free agent center Billy Price was reportedly in for a visit. Who knows? Cardinals might have to revisit that again prior to the beginning of training camp. So, question mark at center. Question mark for me, Kyle, continues, not individually, but a position group on defense is that outside linebacker, the edge rusher. How do you handle no Chandler Jones? We can speculate it. We can hammer it all we want. We're just not going to know until the regular season begins. But that is a huge piece of the puzzle, if you will, that has been removed and not really replaced with another piece of the puzzle. might take pieces of smaller puzzles to equate a larger piece of Chandler Jones. No, you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, you're not asking any one player to – um, replace Chandler Jones's production. Um, it probably more concerning will, will be um, teams will approach you differently. You know, uh, offensive coordinators always had to game plan and know where Chandler Jones was and account for that. Um, I don't know that that's there anymore. I mean, Marcus Golden. Um, I, I love his game. I love his approach to the game. I love the way he pass rushes and, and his intensity that he plays with. Um, but I don't know that you're you know thinking you're going to have to chip him on every play, that you're going to have to double-team him on every play. Um, you know, I, I think that attention, uh, rightfully so, moves back to J.J. Watt on the inside. You have to account for him and always know where he's at. Um, so, 
um, you know, guys on the outside, they're probably going to get one-on-ones and they're going to get an opportunity to rush. And, um, you know, we, we drafted um, some, some young players with um, looks like high ceilings, guys that, um, you know, are expected to be good players, um, good pass rushers. It just remains to be seen where they'll be at this season and, and how quickly they can step in. Um, you know, you have a, a Dennis Gardeck who – um, he's a great story, um, a guy everybody cheers for because of the way he approaches the game, who had uh, tremendous production a couple of years ago, and it looked like um, he was on a, a quick ascent to being a, a, a contributor and in, an in impact player in this defense before he went down with an injury. Now, um, you know, having a full season um, under his belt after an ACL repair, um, you know, you expect him to get close to the level he was at um, to be an effective rusher. Um, you know, you have um, you have Kennard, who um, is you know was has done it in the past. He did it in Detroit. Was you know um, a productive pass rusher in Detroit. So um, you know, and again, I think the key will be identifying what each edge rusher does well and put them in a position to succeed. You do have options. You mentioned the young draft picks, Cameron Thomas, MyJ Sanders, Jesse Lucetta. Certainly an offseason, a full offseason for a lot of these young players, something that Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons did not get in their first years coming out of college. That is a benefit. Charlie Bullen, outside linebackers coach on the Big Red Rage, talked about that benefit of the offseason here, especially for those edge rushers. This is a time of year where you can train perfect muscle memory. So we're out there, you know, going through it, working our, our fundamentals, working our pass rush moves. It could be a counter move or that type of thing. But for sure, at least we're training the baseline fundamentals, you know, so that when we get sped up in competitive situations, we're, we're ready to roll with that muscle memory. And it might take all six of the names that we have mentioned, including a Victor Mukeji, as far as to make up for the loss of Chandler Jones. A rotation, if you will, not one of those individuals is going to maybe get the double-digit sacks. Marcus Golden certainly can. He's done it before. But you're going to need a collective effort to replace number 55. Here's Charlie Bullen on just that topic. Franchise sack leader, you know, great shot at the Hall of Fame. You can't replace a guy like that off the jump. You know, love Chan, miss him dearly, wish him the best, you know. And uh, it's a great opportunity for our group to step up replacing that production as best we can. You know, and Marcus is a great rusher who's produced a lot of years, so we expect you know, him to pick up right where he left off last year. And you know, to, to replace Chandler's production, it may be by committee, you know, or you know, somebody may step up in a big way. It was by committee, and there was an individual who did step up back in 2020 when Chandler Jones was hurt early in the season, and the Cardinals still finished with 48 sacks, the fourth most in the league. Hassan Reddick, 12 and a half sacks. Dennis Gardeck, seven sacks. Maybe it is Marcus Golden and Dennis Gardeck repeating Gardeck what he did a couple of years ago, but it is going to take not just one, but there's going to be a handful of guys that are going to be given the opportunity because that's what you have right now. You didn't go out and try to get a Vaughn Miller or something like that, fill a pass rusher for a pass rusher. But we did see Vance Joseph scheme it up a couple years back. Maybe that's the case again here now, Kyle. Yeah, and you know, probably as important as the talent of the players on the outside. And I've talked about this in the past, particularly um, you know when when I was breaking down games last year. Um, 
it, it takes a talented coaching staff, and, and Van, it starts with Vance Joseph and his usage of players and putting them in the right position. Um, you don't, you know, you don't want to put a player on the field in a package where he shouldn't be there. Vance Joseph identifies. Um, which position guys should be in, when to use them, and you know he's he's going to do the same thing this year. And um, you know it, it, this this one thing that Coach Kingsbury has done, he's assembled a very talented, very smart coaching staff, and not just on the offensive side of the ball, uh, the defensive side of the ball as well. I mean, I've worked with a few of these defensive coaches. I know some of them personally. Um, they're all great human beings, but they are smart and, and capable coaches, and they will um, identify the strengths of each player, they will identify the weaknesses, and they will put them in a position to help this team um, play well on defense and to win games. Players make plays. Coaches can put them in position to make plays, but ultimately it's going to fall on the players to get the job done. You're not going to see Vance Joseph on the field. Charlie Bowen is not going to be on the football field. So putting the players in position, but then obviously it's going to come down to the execution of those players. And that's kind of where my concern is a little bit because we've seen Marcus Golden do it. It's been a while since we've seen Devon Kennard do it, and Gardeck did it one year. Was it a flash in the pan, or was there something there for the young player? Yeah, it's it, that's to be seen, right? Um, it's um, it, it is. You have a comfort level when you have the veterans on on the field that have done it. Um, it's just replicating that, um, finding that place where you were, um, perhaps even playing better and stepping up in, in a bigger role. Um, you know, there's there is just so many questions, and that's again, um, you know, thank goodness the Cardinals um, with where they're at on defense and and the guys they're trying to replace. We have a full offseason. Um, the Cardinals have an opportunity to plug guys in, see how they move, see what they do well, and see what type of asset they can be for this team. Of course, another option, perhaps Isaiah Simmons. We did see that a little bit last season. So the Cardinals do have numbers to attack at that position, just who will step up to attack the opposing quarterback. It's going to be one of those questions that we will all be revisiting once training camp begins. Special thanks to those behind the scenes, our senior broadcast manager and producer, Jim Almondro, technical director, Lauren Koval. For Kyle Vandenbosch, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you in one week's time, year-round. It's the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.